Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. 45, Brewington into Illinois territory. Brewington past the 30, inside the 20, and down to the 16. Huge play for the Nebraska offense, 44 yards. Josh Peterson, Robbie Lula, Chance Oliver with you on this Saturday night. Nebraska loses to Illinois 26 to 9. And they now sit at 3 and 5, including 2 and 3 in conference play. Meanwhile, Illinois, Illinois, Robbie, they are 7 and 1. They are 4 and 1 in league play. And I know that there is still the game against Purdue coming up and Purdue only has two losses in league play, so you know, that will probably decide it, but man, it is nuts what Illinois has done overall this season. They've given up 62 points in conference play. They've given up 71 points in eight games. This is, look, I'm not going to say it's an all-time defense because it's not, but, man, it is Is it a very, 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 very good Big Ten West defense. Yeah, it's a really good defense. They're incredibly solid. We saw that today. I mean, I know Nebraska had their own issues on offense, whether it's Casey Thompson getting injured or whatever. Or just, you know, the general issues that Nebraska always has on offense, offensive line play and, and whatnot. But this is a really good this is a really good Illinois defense. And they're they're a very complementary defense to what Illinois does offensively. Mm-hmm. Like this is a football team that is a an entire unit that works really well together. Um, which like we saw against Purdue, Nebraska is not that. The things that they can do on offense really don't help out the defense at all and vice versa. Um, Illinois is the complete opposite. The entire system seems to be working together to help them win games, and that's that's what they're doing. I mean, they should Mm -hmm. be undefeated. That loss to Indiana was unfathomable, and even watching it, it didn't seem like it was going to happen, but it did. So, you know, they're in a really good spot to, you know, get – decimated in the Big Ten championship game by whoever comes out of the East. But, you know, a Big Ten West title is a hell of a lot more than Nebraska has to hang its hat on at this point. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. They're impressive, man. Impressive. They're just a really, really solid football team. Doing it in year two. It's not pretty. And if Bielema can ever get better players in there, which I think he will, they're going to get a lot better. Uh, Trent says, how badly do you think Illinois could redo that? Indiana game that would be a butt whooping at this point yeah oh absolutely, yeah absolutely it, it absolutely would uh Tony texts in and we'll get to your call Dylan in just a moment he says yes Trev sat in his office twisting his snidely whiplash mustache last summer hoping that Nebraska would fail early this season making it easier on the palate of Nebraska fans to fire Scott Frost okay got it so he disagrees with us then he adds Nebraska put in smothers to run a specific set of plays it has nothing to do with whether he's ahead of Purdy or not do you guys not watch football I mean it Tony it does though if he was ahead of him not only could he run a specific set of plays, he could run all the plays. Also, going off of what Mickey Joseph said, yeah, they considered putting Smothers back in, but they thought they were too far behind yeah, to they, run. He literally said, like, we needed to throw the ball, and yeah. they didn't trust him to do so. I don't know. How you, how do you don't hear that and think, yeah, he's behind. He's behind Chubba and what Chubba does as a quarterback. Chubba's skill set. Yeah. Of course he's behind him. Yeah, I think it's 
not as distinct as you'd like it to be. I, yeah. Because if it was. Uh, yeah, because I think both guys are average. Yeah, I think both guys are, are not. The nice way to say it is not ready to compete in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, the honest way to say it is they're both not very good. Yeah. But if it was clearly Chubba as the number two with no ambiguity there, I think Chubba would have come in at the end of the first half as well. Yeah, that's the part that we're just a little like, hmm. Yeah, a little fuzzy on. But like, I just don't think they love either one of the guys, to I be don't, honest. I don't either, man. Yeah. I don't either. And and look, you can say what you want about Casey Thompson, and he's not perfect. And he threw two bad interceptions today, too. Yeah, he threw two bad interceptions against Purdue. He threw like two bad interceptions. Yeah. You know, he throws two bad ones. That's but, who he is. Like but, he's yeah, like he, he's an inconsistent quarterback. But when he makes good throws, he I mean he He, he just can has, drop him in the bucket. He, he really can't. He's can. way better arm talent than any of the yeah. other guys on the roster. Dylan's up next on B R O R. Dylan, what's up? Hey, so uh, I may be the uh, youngest Husker fan you have called in on here. I was born in 97, so I haven't seen a good uh, winning Husker team since, uh, well, Bo. But Stu was probably the best player I've seen. But anyways, I don't think uh, there's a lot of blame on Casey. I think uh, it's in the trenches. I think it's the O-line and the D-line that really needs to have some improvement. Uh, Mickey said earlier, Earlier this week, they're going to go hard on the JUCO and the O-line. But uh, I think that the trenches really just need to be improved. I think we have the skilled players. I think we have the defensive back. As long as the linebackers stay healthy to uh, play a full season, I think we can do that. But it's really in the trenches where I think we need to improve. And uh, that's my take. Dylan, couldn't agree more. And that's going to be the, the hardest part, I think, Ravi. And I'm, I'm guessing we're in agreement is that improving overnight on the offensive and defensive line, it's just, you look up and down the roster, it's so hard to do. Like, we just talked about Casey Thompson. He has his flaws, but I think he makes plays at times. Of course he does. He's yeah, literally skill position guys in the portal are pretty easy to find. Trey Palmer, one catch for a yard. Anthony Grant. Yeah, you can, trans- I mean, it's a Juco transfer. You can but find him, by the way, Tennessee to score again. He was Florida State before that, so he's not like a typical Juco Correct. transfer guy. But, man, getting the dudes. Get, I mean, Robbie, get one good offensive lineman would be something to write home about. Finding three or four or five of them, same thing on the defensive side of the ball, it's hard. Here's my here's my one little uh my one little morsel of hope here. Okay. Right. The hope, the hope boys. The 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 hopeful boys. There you go. It's what we just watched with Brett Bielema and Illinois. Yeah. You Great. you you heard the recru- recruiting rankings I just ran off. Yeah not very good. Right? Nebraska's are higher than those. Fifty or worse in the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska's are better than those. So my, my hope is that if you hire a coach that actually has an identity, you hire a strength and conditioning staff that can mold the guys that you bring in that fit your identity Bingo. to develop them to that identity, yep. then it can get better a lot faster than it looks like it's possible right now. Yeah. Because if you, I mean, if you don't have an identity and you can't recruit to the identity and you can't develop to the identity and your strength and conditioning staff can't get you there, then none of it really matters, mm-hmm. whether it's the quality of the players or anything else. We've seen it at SEC schools for years. Les Miles teams at LSU were a great example. 
as much talent as anybody in the country, constantly underperforming. Yeah. Right? They shot themselves in the foot a Les ton. Miles was just kind of there. Mm-hmm. No identity. Really had no idea what they were, they were doing. His identity was just being a goofball and going for it on fourth down. Yeah. Right? His yeah. identity was just Eating like, grass. I'm Les Miles. I'm yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. They were like, oh, cool. They're like, great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I mean, their games were fun at least. You know? I, not really. They couldn't score. They had bad quarterback some, play. Some years. For, they had some bad years. quarterback play for a decade in a row. By the way, Tennessee dismissed their extra point. What the hell? Sorry. College right. kickers, man. Yeah. But so that's the, that's the thing that gives me hope is like yes I don't think they're gonna you can't go from where Nebraska's at to like where Ohio State's at on the lines mm-hmm. in a couple of years but you can go from where Nebraska's at to where Illinois is at in a couple of years and if you can get to where Illinois is at in a couple of years if you hire the right guy mm-hmm. then that's a huge improvement and that I mean you could Dude, be winning the here. West two years I mean if a if the West exists two years from now, but you know you what I mean. You can be in the top six in the Big Ten two years from now. You can be in the conversation of a top 25 team and having an eight or nine win season. Yeah. Like that can be where you're at in two years if you make the right hire. And then you build off of that, yeah. right? Yeah. That's where Nebraska needs to start. But it all starts with getting the right guy. And frankly, I, I don't. I don't know that Mickey's that guy right now. Beard of Reaction brought to you by Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. Jordan says, shout out to Dylan, fellow Husker fan who has never experienced our joy with Nebraska football. Yeah, you and I are like at the very beginning of that age range. We're like, we remember the mid to late 90s. And so we have some memories. They're just in four by three and maybe a little fuzzy. But I guess at least we have the memories in the first place. Parker is up next on Big Red Overreaction. Parker, hello. Hey, do you guys have me? We got you, man. Okay, perfect timing. I can one-up Dylan. I was born in 99. Oh, God. Uh, That's so, so depressing. There, I know. Yeah, I became a fan in 2008. It was both first years, so it's been, it's been tough. Ugh. But anyway, I don't want to hammer the Mickey stuff home too much. I know you, you and Ravi have talked about it a lot, but for anyone who's listening who has questions of why this is being talked about so much, I was at the game today. It is more of a topic and discussion than I think a lot of people even realize. Like, Walk in, and, and immediately I see signs that say, like, Luis says, hire Mickey, that's, like, taped to the front of the bleachers uh, or the stands. And you go sit in your section, and everyone around leans over and says, what do you think about us hiring Mickey? It's like, maybe part of it's because I'm not in that camp. I just don't trust it. Mm-hmm. But it really seems like, even more so than what you guys talked about on 1620, it, people are so infatuated with that idea. Uh, granted, these are the same people who wanted Frost back for your five after three and nine. <laughs> so I don't know how much I, we, we can even take that seriously. But I, I wanted to take this a, a slightly different direction and then leave you guys with a question. Okay. It seems to me that in recent history, college football programs that have hired based on emotion mm-hmm. are pretty disappointed with the results. Uh, last year, Lincoln Riley bolted for USC. Oklahoma fans, oh, we don't want him. Uh, oh, you know this, that, and the other thing regarding his, like, 55-10 and 10 record, disregarding that. They hired Brent Venables. He used to coach there. This offseason, Oklahoma was one big hold hands and sing kumbaya. Yep. Everyone was so fired up. And yep. all of a sudden, I mean, Oklahoma's had one heck of an October. I think of Notre Dame. Notre Dame, thank Freeman. you. Yeah, that's the one, man. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Well, and Notre Dame, too, with Marcus Freeman. I mean, Brian Kelly left them, and no one saw that happening for LSU. All the players rallied. I mean, I know Jack Schwarbeck's a great AD there, but I, I can't help but wonder if he kind of caved to the pressure of players love this guy. I mean, Marcus Freeman's awesome. I mean, if I was athletic enough, I'd want to play for him too. But I think Notre Dame's another fan base that, oh, all offseason, they, they felt the warm and fuzzies, and their ADs 
intensively maybe made hires based on emotion and it's it's evidence so far granted a small sample size that hasn't worked out and so my question for you guys it may be a mute point anyway because nebraska lost today i agree with you i think it's three and nine or four and eight but would trev alberts be the type of person to make a hire based on the emotion or a fan base or can we trust him more than we can trust previous leaders in Nebraska? Because I waffle back and forth. Like I said, uh, the past, you know, since I became a fan, it's been, it's been tough sledding. So I don't know what to make of, of Trev's decision-making, and uh, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Parker, thank you so much for the call at 402-951-1620. I thought you laid out a lot of great points. Uh, by the way, Kentucky just had an incredibly brutal drop. They would have scored a touchdown, or at the very least, they would have been well into Tennessee yeah. territory. I, uh with Trev, I don't know, man. I, I, I've thought about that a lot because we have given him the benefit of the doubt, I would say, more than most athletic directors have received around here. And Probably. I was thinking about it, Robbie. We give him the benefit of the doubt. All right, let me speak for myself. I've, I have given him the benefit of the doubt. Yet, I really, really, really disagreed with his decision to bring back Frost and Hoiberg even, but, but certainly Scott Frost. I really disagreed with that decision last year. I, I know why he did it, or at least I think I know why he did it, and that is... The, the reaction of the fan base, the donor class, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't make it the right move. He he fired him when he did, and let's be honest. Well, here's, I, let, let me pause there okay, for a second. Okay. If he doesn't have the boosters behind him, he can't fire Frost. I guess not. That's the problem. I guess not, yeah. Is, guess. is like if you don't have... Or the, you could just say, shut up, this is my program. You hired me to do a job. Let me do the job. Right, but if they don't write the check, you don't get to make that decision. Yeah, but you got the money, right? You got, I mean, you got the money. It's you get the money because they write the checks. Yeah, he got the TV money, though. I mean, he got the money. You really want to dip into the actual yeah. budget to, to pay out $20 million to Fire Frost? That's like a third. That's like half of what they made this year. Or did could they have, and I know semantics now, could they have gotten the money and, and maybe just lost one donor's money because he's not going to donate anymore? Like, if maybe, but there would, have been, there would have been donors that they could have gotten money from, right? Maybe, but I think if, you have a, if you have, you know, there, there's different levels of donors, right? Mm-hmm. If you have particularly influential ones that don't want it to happen. It's not going to happen. Fair. That's how college athletics works. Yeah. All right. right? So, so, so then looking at this season, we said it in the moment, and, and it's obvious now, they punted on the season when they fired Frost when they did. Yeah. You know, it, it, they, the season has been punted on. And so all of all of the stuff tied into Trev and, and expecting him or trusting him to do the right job or, mm-hmm. or make the right hire, you're going off of – Look, I think you're kind of going off of a lot of emotion with him too, you know, because you want you want him to make the correct decision. And how know? much do we trust him because he's a Nebraska guy? The same reason we trust the coaches because yeah. they're Nebraska guys, which yeah. has been a mistake. Yeah. Here's the other thing that I'll say about that, though. I don't know that it's the emotion of the fan base that impacts the decision. I think there's a chance that the same qualities in a coach that makes a fan base emotional for them can rub off on the athletic director, too, because they have a relationship with these coaches, right? So, like, Marcus Freeman is a good example at Notre Dame. Like, he seems like an incredibly likable guy. Yeah. Obviously had a really good relationship with the AD, Drax Warbrick. And, like, maybe it wasn't so much as, like, oh, it seems like the fans really want this guy, so much as as the Notre Dame AD got drawn into it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it might not be like, ah, I don't want the fans to be mad at me so much as I'm sold on this guy too because he does have qualities that draw you in and make you want to root for him and things like that. I could see that being the case with Mickey because he is a really likable guy. You like his honesty. You like his transparency. You like that he holds himself accountable. You like all these things about him, right? So it might not just be, and that's the thing that the fan base is attracted to. 
that might be what Trev is attracted to in the head coach as well. Mm-hmm. It might not be, oh, I don't want the fans to be mad at me. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a there's a difference there. I will say this is the same guy that very unpopularly cut two programs at his last job. He did, and and there are obviously and, fans of that program that are fans of Lincoln. Right, but what I'm saying is obviously fan emotion was not a consideration there. He did what he thought he had to do Bingo. for the best of the athletic department. And so when I'm putting trust in him to make a decision, whether I agree with the decision or not, I, I tend to think emotion won't be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't think that that experience was so scarring for him because he was at Omaha for a long time after that mm-hmm. and fairly successfully, I think people would say. So I don't think it was such a horrifying experience like apparently Scott Frost getting benched 25 years ago was for him that he would never consider doing that to anyone ever again. Yeah. So I don't think it was changed him as a person in order to be like, well, I'm going to do whatever the fans want now because last time I didn't, it was so horrible. Like, I don't, that's, I think, why I give him the benefit of the doubt not to make an emotional decision is because he has a track record of being able to to withstand the storm, if you will. I would add this, and we'll go to your call in a moment, Andrew. What you just said just kind of reminded me of, of something I've thought of before. Like, this is his first big job, and we've talked a lot about hiring a head coach and how we want that head coach to have experience. And it's not to say that Trev Alberts does not have experience, but he was at a much lower level with a much different budget without even a football program. Yeah, it's a you know? it's a much it's, it's a, a much, much different, different job. job. Much different job. Andrew is up next on Big Red Overreaction. Also got a comment from Seth that I'm going to get to in just a moment. Andrew, what's up? So, I'm born in 86, so I, I kind of remember. Oh, uh, you remember the good old days. days. 87 yeah. here, buddy. Yeah, so I was at the game. First question, how bad is that pass interference call? Because fans hated it. The pass interference. The, the, miss, the missed pass interference, I should say. Oh, on Trey? Yeah. Bad. That was bad. Yeah, that was yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, we booed him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that was um, a bad one. That was pretty bad. Um, the other point I think we all kind of forget, last year we had the good defensive line. We had a lot of old COVID boys who were able to stick around a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like 25-year-olds on that part. line. Yeah. So guys are in this weight room for six years. I mean, they can kind of beat up on some of those, at least hold their own with some of the better five-star guys. But I really think we just need to rebuild some line like everyone else already thinks. I don't care if we run a pro style or if we have anything else. We got to have a good line, and ultimately, I think we just need to recruit guys who, again, like you said, their fit has to make a difference, and that's kind of what I think. Like, so, thanks, guys. Andrew couldn't agree more, man. I mean, that was look. I don't want to talk about how you and I were right about everything, but this summer, one of the things that you and I did talk about a lot was the defense and how it wasn't a bunch of olds on that. Side yeah, of the I mean, anymore. whether it's the linemen, whether it's JoJo Doman, I mean, you had a bunch of 24-year-olds playing defense back there, yeah. not to mention an extra second-round pick in, in Cam Taylor-Britt uh, in the secondary. Like, you had a really good defense, and you had a bunch of really old guys playing defense against kids. Yeah, exactly. And you still went 3-9. and nine. Uh, Seth asks, and this is going back to the caller a couple callers ago, uh, at what point does the AD try to temper Mickey expectations? And I think by, by that, Seth means like, does he get out and talk about this at all? And then the caller was, if you missed it, he was referencing being in the stands and all of the support seemingly that is out there for, you know, Mickey Joseph. I don't think he's going to say anything. I think he's going to be quiet. I, I really don't think we're going to hear a whole lot from him. I know, you know, he does a show once a month, but I don't think he's going to come out and, you know, tell us about, I think the most the you're, search. I think the most you're going to get is 
you know, hey, we're going through a national search. Mm -hmm. As we've said all along, Mickey is a candidate, but so are, are, you know, but we're going to go through the entire process and pick the coach as the best candidate at the time. Mm -hmm. Just leave it very open-ended to like, hey, this still is a process. Make it pretty clear that like nothing has been decided yet. Um, That would be the only indication I think you would get kind of him speaking in in code a little bit to be like, hey, yeah, we're still looking because we haven't found it yet, even internally. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think we're going to hear a whole lot. Uh, we just had somebody drop off. Let's take one more call before we go to break. It is Doug and Valley. Doug, what's up? Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, so, hey, I, I love Mickey, too, but mm-hmm. I, you, you really can't judge him this year, based, good or bad, right? Part of it's because he's stuck with Mark Whipple. And I just... You know, everybody talks about how great Mark Whipple is because he had a good offense last year. Well, that was like one year out of like, what, 50? Yes, thank and you, man. It, it was. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a first-round draft pick. You know, you, you know, give him a little credit for developing the guy. But the guy was, the guy was a six-year senior, too, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that just absolutely drives Oh, no, he wasn't. He, he was. Does. He was what, year four? He was year four. Pickett yeah, was yeah. just a four-year guy. Uh, uh, whatever. Anyway, so, you know, I, I mean, what drives me nuts, I was at the game with my wife. And every time it was secondary or longer, I looked over, okay, here comes the run. I mean, he's just so darn predictable. First down is nine out of ten times is a pass. And if it's incomplete, second down is a run. And and he just, you know, uh, he just, the guy is so, you, you know, he was so overhyped in his run game. So the one thing I'll give Frost credit for is, is Frost was really good at scheming the run game. Now, you know, he had, horrible development and his line was terrible, but, but he came up with some really creative stuff and he made the run game at least somewhat successful. And, you know, the thing is by, you know, going with Smothers, I mean, Whipple just doesn't know how to coach that. So, I mean, I love Mickey. I hope he sticks around. Uh, but, but I think we got to go get Brett Beholder. That. So that's all I had to say, guys. All right. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for the call, Doug. I know that there are a lot of people out there that agree with you. A couple score updates. Uh, Tennessee just added another touchdown. They're up two touch uh, two touchdowns in that one, 20-6. to six. Uh, They missed an extra point. Kentucky had one blocked earlier, so that is why the score is 20-6. to six. Also, Michigan State went for it on fourth down. I don't know exactly what happened. Mel Tucker was pissed. They didn't get it. Michigan got it. They went down the field. They have to settle for a field goal, so Michigan's red zone woes come back to bite them again as the field goal attempt is up, and it is good. So Michigan leads that one 3-0. Uh, About with, two minutes left in the first yeah, half. Yeah, so uh, coming down to the end of the first, the first quarter, half. not first, first quarter. quarter. Yeah, yeah sorry. indeed. Uh, Jim, Bob, Bruce, stay right there. Also, we do have a line open at 402-951-1620. If you would like to give us a call, we have some emails we can get to when we come back, tweets and a whole lot more. He's Ravi. I'm Josh Chance producing. It is Bigger at Overreaction on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg.